You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Emma Sasek's interview with the writer and director for Saul Byrne, Emerald Fennell, followed by my interview with the star from the film, Barry Keoghan. <laughs> oh, nice tux. Thank you. Wow. It's a rental, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Where, where are we going, Felix? You think you'll go home? Honestly? Home doesn't mean the same for me as it does for you, Felix. Well, why don't you come home with me? Come to Saltburn. Felix likes you so much. You're so, um, real. Oliver, I have a complete and utter horror of ugliness ever since I was very young. I don't know why. I mean, because you're a terrible person. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so thrilled to be speaking with you. Oh, I'm so delighted to talk to you. I had in my mind initially that I would start the interview by saying, hello, you're a fellow sicko like me, where we love making these, <laughs> watching these wild films. Um, but I reeled it in a little bit. Oh, no, but... sickos forever. Also, <laughs> who is a sicko? Like, what I find so fascinating is that, like, the things that people watch, the yes. things that they read, they look at on the internet, the, the sort of, sort of pseudo-concern with which they dress up just titillating voyeurism about the most awful things. Yeah. The things that people are reading alongside, like, cooking tips in magazines, you know, everyone is. It's just how kind of, I think it's just how comfortable you are with sort of looking at the kind of interrogating why we, why we look at the things we look at, maybe. The people who fall asleep by listening to the most brutal true crime podcast series or watching that night after night I I will say that sometimes I might be among those <laughs> the way that people the way that when a you know the the kind of you know when that submarine went missing or yes that submarine everyone was like oh no and they had countdowns to how much air was left and yeah. people pretended like concerned. and it was this sinister kind of people were just watching like kind of you know like they'd kind of gathered around the gallows and it was so fascinating and yet nobody would say that that because they would say they were just worried they were so worried you get it were they <laughs> you know okay. that's what everything is all about isn't it it's like okay let's look at look at we feel something let's look at why let's look at why we're pretending it's because of this and why we we won't you know, look at these things. It's my endless obsession. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, you really don't seem afraid to go there with your movies. It's something that I, it's an aspect that I have loved with both Promising Young Woman and both with Saltburn. Um, and it's what I think makes you such an exciting director and storyteller. You know, movies always serve as an escape for audience members, but I'm kind of curious, do your films also serve as an escape for yourself too, where you can imagine these maybe, you know, either extreme scenarios or larger than life characters, and you get to live in those stories, does that serve as a way for you to, you know, check out of reality a little bit? Totally. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, 
And that is the process entirely. It is over the course of years going and living in these other worlds. And I certainly think that it's because it has been my whole life. It's been my whole life living like that, living in, in different in different worlds and visiting different worlds and, and being kind of like actually kind of like completely zoned out of where I am physically and being mm-hmm. somewhere else that. Yeah, that's like that's a huge part of the process is it's a sort of it is about it is a way of processing the things that are troubling or interesting or sexy or concerning or, you know, whatever it is that you want to talk about, mm-hmm. but you don't know how to actually talk about, you know, I, I'm not a documentarian. I'm not, a, a, you know, a, a journalist. I'm not, I'm not even really particularly articulate about even the themes of the movie or whatever it is that mm-hmm. one is required to do sort of now. I think what I like to do is be like, I think about this stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it too. Did you yourself get a little bit lost in Saltburn then? Um, because it really does have so many hypnotic qualities, not just the setting that we see this film in, but all of these different characters who invite you in, but they have so many dangerous aspects to them too. I think that, yeah, it's necessary to be part of it was that, that yeah, that you kind of like let yourself go. Mm-hmm. So, so much of Saltburn for me, so much about creating that world and those characters and kind of making sure that the writing was, you know, as specific as it possibly could be and the craft was as specific as it could be is that we needed to be seduced by it, mm-hmm. that we needed to be, to know better, that we need to know better and be told constantly this is going to end badly, this is going to end badly, this is going to end badly. Mm-hmm. And to still be completely besotted with every single person there. Yeah. And of course it does end badly, but not necessarily in the way that we were expecting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work unless we feel how excruciating it would be to show up to that house kind of trying to open the gate with a tiny little wheelie suitcase, squeaky suitcase, or to not know how to order eggs. None of these things matter. Mm-hmm. But in the context of that world, they matter deeply. And we, even though we know that they're absurd, we we all, to some degree, care. We want them to like us. We want yeah. them to love us. We want them to let us stay forever. Even though they're telling us they never, never will. Even though we're seeing the kind of like bodies of the past, I mean, literal kind of like, detritus of the past people who've had their attention for five minutes that they've discarded like so we need to still be like I could be the person we could be he could be we could be the people who stay here forever and it's just you know how one ends up doing that I suppose Mm -hmm. I guess the you know the film it says a great deal about money and wealth and what that does to a person not only those who have it and you know, how they treat other people, how they discard some, as you just mentioned, but also those who are trying to acquire it and don't really care who they hurt or what they have to do in the process. Are we seeing that all the time in our society? Is that something that you noticed in society, which made you go down this uh, this film rabbit hole in a way? That's interesting. I don't think, in a weird way, the thing about this film is that, well, it's very difficult to talk without a spoilery a spoiler, sure. but this is yes. not the, the truth of it is is that everyone has it's not to do with money at all mm. it's to do with the perception of being special mm-hmm. the perception of being something it's about a center of power 
and how we interact with power and how we interact with beauty. And yes, of course, it's absolutely about class, but it is more about, you know, for me, more than more than anything else, it's it's about our relationship with these things, the way that we look at people on the internet, the way that we comb over other people's lives, the kind of lascivious nature of that looking, the like voyeurism that is so intense already and then it became even more intense during COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, it's our part. It's the fact it's the part that we all play in this in the structure, which is that, you know, we cannot help but be attracted to whether it's, yeah, whether it's like I'm in Hollywood right now. What's so I mean, fascinating is the you center see, of it all. You see a beautiful movie star walk around a room, and what you see that is so fascinating is that physically the room moves with them. People don't know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. People who think they know better and think they don't care and think they're above it. What oh, happens is looking. if you were shooting, if you were shooting at it, they're not just looking, they're physically drawn. So if if you if you shot, you know, if you did a top shot of the evening I was at last night, where there were a couple of very beautiful movie stars at this event, it would be like a magnet and filings. Mm. You could tell, I could you could tell geographically from above where that person was because the crowd moves slowly, discreetly with them because people want to be near that center of power. And that is what this is all about. It's like that thing that we're all obsessed with and how we get it, how we respond to it, what it makes us do, how it makes us feel. That's the thing, that's the human side of things, which is sort of outside of house and all of that stuff. This, It's about what we do, you know, and that's why someone like Jacob is such a genius, is such a genius performer, such a clever, clever, talented person because he knows that, he knows that, he's experienced that. Everywhere he goes, you see that happen. And so what's so kind of fascinating about, you know, what he does with Felix is actually Felix is just kind of some bloke, <laughs> but he still has an effect. And that effect of is, and it is intoxicating. It's intoxicating. And so, so Oliver is not, is in no way, Oliver is, Oliver does nothing that people given half the chance wouldn't do. Of course, mm-hmm. things get a bit more complicated later on, but in the beginning, who has not gone on Instagram and looked up and looked up somebody's life to find out how to best seduce them. That's the internet sleuthing. Who doesn't? Internet sleuthing. Isn't that just the same as like reading up? Isn't that the same as doing your homework? You know, mm-hmm. who doesn't pretend that they like a shit boring band because they know somebody likes them? We are all just metal filings, right? We're just, we're just like, we're just drawn in. So it's, you know, how do you become the magnet? And that's what I suppose Oliver's doing, really. Yes. Um, I did want to ask um, regarding Barry in this film. He's taking on a persona that I haven't necessarily seen him take on before, but it did remind me a little bit about the mysterious nature he brought to killing of a sacred deer. And I was curious if, um, you know, you saw that film, um, if that's really the one that maybe put him on the map for you when it came to thinking of who is the best person to portray Oliver in this film and really comb through so many different people here. Yeah, 
I mean, look, it was it was um, it was the first thing I saw of him, and it's still it remains the best film I've ever seen in my life. It's uh, it's <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect film, and he is. It's a perfect performance, also, and so I watched everything he'd been in, and the thing that he has, which I love more, and which needed more than anything in this film, I think, was he has. The closer you get, the less you know. Because mm-hmm. we all want to ask why. There's a very, there's a very real thing now of like, tell me, tell me what to think, tell me who, tell me. But I don't think people are like that, and so. I don't think we could even tell because we can I can tell you what I'm like, but I'm not telling the truth or it's not useful. (laughs) And that's the same with characters, too. You know, and that's what Barry has, which is just so compelling, is that the closer you get to him, the less, you know, the more you try and pin it down, the further away it becomes and it gets you. And he is. Yeah, he is kind of supernatural. He's both unbelievably real, unbelievably grounded physical performance, unbelievably vulnerable, all of the things that he is. But he also has this thing that is outside of, that can be, that really can only be felt, that it's not necessarily something you can put your finger on, but you feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this sense of kind of restraint. There's something that barely restrained, whatever that is, and everything he does. There is there is a sense of a dam of water just creeping up behind a, you know, a, a dam, I suppose. Um, <laughs> don't know very much about the construction of dams. It's, I can't say I'm an expert either. <laughs> not my area of expertise, no. I'm afraid. Nautical engineering, not my strong point. <laughs> or metaphors. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing about him. And that's kind of the thing that I look for in like anyone I work with. It's just honesty, brutal honesty, willingness to go deep, but also something that can't be accessed. And it's the same with Carrie in Promising a Woman. You can't, there is necessarily something unknowable, untouchable, because there's something she can't access either herself, that she can't quite look at herself. And that's the same with Oliver. He's not, you know, he's so perceptive about other people. He's laser sharp at other people, but but he himself, you know, his wants are never, his real, real, true love and want is never sated. It's never, it's always beyond his grasp. Yeah. And that needed to be felt all the time. Mm And he's so scary good at it. He's so good at it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and for all that, you know, for all that, all of the, you know, all of the things in this film, I think also it makes it sound, I always talk about it and afterwards I think that, oh, that sounds like such a dirge. The truth of it is it's just wanting to make something that like people physically respond to. They go and it's, and they laugh and they squirm and they scream and they're turned on and they're cross. That it's like an experience and it's something that either you like get it get it or you just don't and that's fine right but the people that get it it's such it's the greatest feeling in the world that connection because that's what I had with all the actors and all the crew it's like we got it and then you know and then it comes out and and the people yeah the people that love it have seen it a million times already you know and they're obsessed and it's they're kind of Oliver now <laughs> over the film and that's how I feel that's exactly how I feel about it. I feel I'm obsessed too. <laughs> well, Emerald, I 
I wish I could speak with you for hours at this point, um, but I will just end my conversation by saying thank you so much for your time today. And I'm fully obsessed with Saltburn and I'm so excited to keep watching it over the, the season. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this. Lots of people get lost in Saltburn. This place, it's not for you. I can honestly say that these last few months have been the happiest of my life. Anything else I should know about? No, no, just be yourself. They'll love you. It's relaxed, I promise. Matt, how are we? Hey, Barry, thank you so much for taking the time, man, to do this. I know you're super busy. No, bro, always a pleasure to chat to you, always. Absolutely, man. First of all, let me just say, because I didn't get a chance to tell you this in person uh, last year. Congratulations on that Oscar nom last year, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. I feel like you're on such a roll right now in your career. And when I saw Saltburn at the Telluride Film Festival for its world premiere, the first thing I said coming out of that screening well, if it wasn't evident by now, it's pretty evident at this point that Barry is a fearless actor. Oh, man, thank you. Man. Um, would you describe yourself as that? Definite, definite, yeah. After after those scenes that we've seen, I think it's like, wait, he'll do anything. Let's get him in our film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, no, nah, it's, um, look at my, it's, it's whatever's required. And I say this, I don't mean to be like, you know, to sound too, uh, on, on like, you know, right by saying this but whatever's required artistically and i needed to push the, the story forward i'll do it and um, obviously you have reservations and you you have talks and, and that about you know why and what's the motive and but i mean everything seemed right everything seemed like it should happen and um i, I pushed the story artistically forward and, and and stuff like that so yeah i i didn't mind the getting in the nude obviously yeah a little bit you mind but um, for me, it was the for the nude nude part of it was look. I want to I want to level up here. I want to you know show my commitment as a, as an actor and my maturity to the craft and you know that I'm willing to to do what's required. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think you definitely left it all out on the uh, murderous dance floor. We'll uh, we'll say in this case, definitely left it all out. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get the screenplay, obviously, Promise Young Woman is a massive success. Uh, what's your reaction to Emerald Fennell contacting you with this screenplay? You know what? So yeah, she um, she approached. I think yeah, it was. Well, I, I don't even know what month it was, but you know, she told me that she wanted me to play the part. So everything beyond that was was a celebration. You know, then I then I read the script and I was like. This is a proper showcase here for yeah for any actor to, to to do you know you go through a range of emotions and you know there's there's points here that can be iconic to 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 one point um so I, it was definitely a no brainer for me and being a fan of Emerald and, and wanting to work with Emerald is uh is uh it was just a joy man but um it was it was definitely a no brainer man I was signed on I was I was already thinking about how to how to play this part and to get into character and, and what I can do that's going to be different and um and the pressure to being a leading man was was the one that I put on myself really um but yeah um there was a lot of challenges there uh well, I was I was willing to rise so I love an old challenge 
Oh, no. And I definitely think that that's uh, true in all of your work as well. You say, you know, being a leading man, one of the benefits of that is you get to act opposite predominantly a large majority of the cast. And in this case, you're working against some really phenomenal actors here. What was the vibe like on set amongst all of you? You're playing a very uh, serious character, but I have to imagine that the set must have been lively and a blast because right. this movie just has that kind of good vibes only <laughs> uh, no it's um it was like a summer camp man it was like a summer camp and it was i'll always remember it was one of the best moments of my life um i mean that when i say that um you know with my son being born as well that that summer um and, you know i'm getting one day off congratulations thank you young brando but anyways um it was uh, it, it was one of the best moments of my life, you know, my, my boy being born and also the movie, leading the movie and getting to be amongst amongst the cast and crew. And we all just got on, man. We just had a laugh. And, you know, the house was magnificent. It was, I can you discover a new room every day in that place. Yeah. But it was just, the weather was gorgeous. It was, it was just, it was timeless, man. It was timeless. Um, I, I, I'll definitely always remember it. Yeah. Um, I heard some people describe this movie to me as, oh, it's eat the rich and, you know, a couple of other things in terms of like this class divide. But then um, I'm sure when people listen to this, they will have had a chance to see the film. There is a reveal about Oliver and his class status later on in the film. And I'm just curious to know, because from your point of view, what is it that you think ultimately motivates Oliver? Because I think we as an audience feel throughout the film, oh, he must come from a lower class background. He must be poor. That's all a lie. I don't you know what? I don't think it's I don't think it's uh I think it's about the class thing for him. I think it's about the boy is obsessed with humans, you know, mm-hmm. and how they behave and their morals and their motives and you know, why they say certain things, why they behave certain ways and, yeah. you know, dynam- dynamics and, and stuff like that. And I think he's he's an observer to the highest form and, you know, an investigator. And uh, He's just fascinated and, and, and intrigued. And so he's, he's he's in his playground there. Like he's, you know, I mean, he's, he's definitely in his playground of wanting to, you know, just toy around with these, uh, this family. Uh, it could be this family, it could be another family. And then there's also that attraction of Felix, you know, why he gravitates, like why everyone gravitates towards and what that aura is. You know, I think he's fascinated with that. You know, does he want to be like Felix? Does he, does he, I don't know. He, he, he's just, he's all of the above, which I said, but he's also confused. Um, so he's messed up. Yeah, he's messed up. And I think because of that confusion, we, the audience, never fully understand exactly understand. what his motivations are. No. Because he doesn't really know. No, I don't think so. And he, like, he has some sort of blueprint going into it. But I think it's, um, you know, he's he's just lost in it. He's just lost in it. Um, he, I think he's in in love with the idea of being in love. I think he's in love with as feel with Felix as a like, you know, holds him like as an object. And um, so I wanted to leave room in in, in terms of my prep and getting into character open for discovering Oliver along the shoot, you know what I mean? Um, hence the, the graveyard scene, you know, I wanted to, I asked for a close set and I wanted to see where it went. And, you know, initially it was to, to finger the grave, but I end up, you know, insert myself into the grave and, and, you know, it, it sounds weird and it looks weird on paper or whatever, but 
I think it, that's confusion as well. He doesn't know what he's trying to achieve or fulfil there. He's he's lost and he's heartbroken and, and sad and um you know what I mean. So I wanted to leave part open um to find these moments with Oliver. You know, what's the next level up of, of obsession? What's the next? Where do you take it? Do you know what I mean? You rub your you rub your face along a plug hole. Like I'm I'm trying to get inside of this thing or it be a part of me or swallow it or you know what I mean I, d- I don't know what I want um, so I was I was just as lost with all of that as Oliver was as well does that kind of lead to a lot of um, improvisation uh, between you and the other actors does yeah. Emerald allow for you to explore outside of the screenplay in that way Emerald does allow for improv she does allow for improv but again you know there's no need for improv with such good writing I think and it's uh, you don't want to just fill Spaces to fill space, and I always feel with improv, the actor always goes into a defensive state. You know, with improv, you look at everyone's always trying to defend themselves or look good, or you know. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think that was Oliver's thing to do was to defend, or he's, he's a total observer. And you know, I, so I, I didn't really, I mean, the improv being the graveyard. I mean, I wanted to see where that went. Um, yeah. But other than other stuff than that, I don't think we improv really. So. I remember when I was watching this for the first time, no pre-marketing of any kind. I didn't know where this story was going. And that scene that he has under the moonlight with um, Venetia, and when he says to her, I'm a vampire, my head started spinning (laughs) so fast because I started to actually believe that your character might actually really be one. Be a vampire. Turns out it's more in the metaphorical sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a cool scene that shot really nice. It's a ooh moment as well. Um but it's total power play. Yeah. He understands his position with Venetia. You know, he treats her like a little toy and he um he's got different versions for everyone and I was very conscious of that as well as to have at five different notebooks, like Oliver one to Oliver five, and you know, just to kind of have that arc and and visualize that arc, and you know, I think that was Oliver four, you know. So if it, the scene was like let's say seventy eight, I'd kind of revert to the Oliver Oliver notebook and see which which Oliver I'm playing, and each Oliver had a different demeanor, a different acceleration, or a different physicality, a different tone, a different. You know, apart from the obvious, what we see, the costumes and the hair change, I was also trying to change the physical and the mental state of this character. Yeah. So I think I think with that with that moment, that was all over four and this total kind of ownership and, you know what I mean? Do you think that the way he is at the end of the film is who he's always been since the beginning? Or do you think he eventually finds that version of himself? I think he's just lost. I want to know what happens at the end of the film when he takes that soy and it just goes black. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, we're in for it now. Because <laughs> he's, he's done, he's bored. He's, all his toys are broke, you know? He's he's done playing with them. And that's when he sits best is when he gets to manipulate and experiment and observe. And now he's got nothing. I think he's got the staff and the, 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 the butler. But like, I don't think it's like the house he was chasing or that's just a result of what happened. I think he sits best when he's in this playground of, you know, as I said, this experimental playground. Yeah. But yeah, at the end, at the end, I think it's like total freedom, isn't it? And total ownership and, you know what I mean? Um, kind of uh, comfortable in your space. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that final shot in general is something that is just so striking to the viewer. Uh, like you said, Oliver has reached this like peak moment of pure freedom where he can yeah. literally dance around the halls butt ass naked and it doesn't matter to anyone. He's completely in charge of this world now. It's beautiful to see a naked figure like, you know, move through rooms like that that are draping in money and draping in paintings from the 1700s and it's beautiful to see a figure like that move so smoothly. And you know what I mean? I, I thought that was quite nice. Yeah. Did you have the uh, song? Yeah. Yeah. We had the song. Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of weird if we didn't imagine that dancing around. It'd be like, this boy is fucked. I was wondering if she had the song like pre-selected or if that was something that came later. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Th- yeah. Because there, there was beats we had to hit. There was moments we had to hit at a certain time in the song and start to work. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I I also want to ask too, uh, in regards to the bathtub scene. Yeah. What was that material that you were guzzling down? What What was that in in the tub? That was milk. Oh, okay. That was your half, cow's milk. Half and half, whole milk or skim milk? <laughs> no, we don't do half and half in in England. We don't do that. <laughs> you guys have that lovely hair. Half and half is gorgeous. I wish it was half and half. I would have done ten takes of that. <laughs> I would have drank a whole bathtub of it. But um, <laughs> no, nah, that was, uh, with with that scene, I mean, again, it's trying to discover what is it Oliver wants and what is it he's, obs- like, it's an obsessional thing. And, you know, if you look at it closely, like, physical, like, physicality-wise, he's, he's basically dropping to his knees in a sacrifice kind of uh, style, you know, um, you know, submitting almost to this thing that he's chasing or, or wanting to be or, wanting to be inside of him um and it's uh yeah it was it was a moment of just you know trying to figure out and that's why i was rubbing my face against the plug hole and trying to get it on me and um, it was a very animalistic uh you know kind of thing to do it was like yeah i don't know no i like that there's like kind of this um inward to the outside approach with this character of yeah it's not necessarily a big performance, mm-hmm. but internally, there's a lot of conflicting emotions going on with that character. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there definitely is. It's all in the eyes, isn't it? I mean, yeah, every performance is kind of in the eyes for me, but this one really rests on the eyes. And, you know, you got to I had to learn how to go from shark like to Bambi like in one scene almost. You know what I mean? Um, right. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, no, I, de- I definitely think it does because he's also putting on a performance mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of cases Yeah. until there are scenes where you can clearly see like the yeah. scene when they are driving back to his parents' place where he's losing control yeah. and you can see that demeanor just completely change. Just changes, you know, and it's uh, – so getting to do that in one scene or two scenes is, uh, you know, again, as an actor, it's a joy. You know, you get to do these things. This yeah. is what you want as an actor. You want to show every range and every, you know, test yourself and, you know, find out about your craft and, you know, push boundaries to yourself and just kind of elevate and step up. And it's, it really gave me all of that to do. So, Okay, a couple of quick questions here. Uh, who is the person on set that is most likely to break character during a take? Yeah, I don't want to speak like that for anyone. Um, me, so I'll say me. I'll say me. Uh, okay. <laughs> because I'd either be laughing at Rosamund Pike's 
you oh know, my god real deliverance on every line and you know she just oh or uh or carries as well you know two of them together i mean just being in the middle of them was just i just tried to keep me keep me shit together you know it's crazy I don't know how anybody could keep a straight face opposite her in this because she is absolutely killing it every uh, single line, like you said. I agree. I know. I know. She owns everything. Everything. Yeah, she's great. How does and how does Emerald's uh, experience as an actor also work with her style of direction when she's giving you uh, direction for your character? Would you say? I think Emerald just she understands it. Uh, you know, she gave me that license to be silly creatively silly uh and i mean that you know it's there's a lot of performances out there that we'll never see because an actor's too afraid to make a choice or not comfy yeah and with emerald she made me very comfy very you know safe to feel vulnerable and i feel when we're vulnerable is when we show true honest um emotions and we're getting we're getting to a place that is real and raw and beautiful and, and wherever but for me, she uh, she gave me that license, and I felt safe to do that around her, and you know, and I, I felt safe to safe to make those choices that led me to making other choices and discover my character and bring the truth to it that that we don't really see. Favorite needle drop in Saltburn? Mm, what do you mean? Like favorite? Uh, favorite song? Favorite song from the soundtrack? Oh, it'd be more than on the dance floor, definite. Okay. I won't ever listen to that song where I'll take my clothes off again. <laughs> Gotta be careful where I listen to that song. That it's not out on public transport or some shit. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, what's he doing? Oh, wait, that's the guy from Soulborn. It's, it's, yeah. it's normal. It's allowed. <laughs> and as we wrap up here, Barry, yeah. and we come to the end, we talked about before how you're a fearless actor, how you're willing to do pretty much anything. Um, I know that you definitely have a lot of offers on the table and your career is only just getting started, man. Um, yeah. What for you would you say is the next challenge or the next opportunity for you to feel that creative that creative urge, uh, that, that, that instinct that will excite you as an actor? Again, it's to take it all in a totally different direction, isn't it? Um, it's to do what people don't vision me to kind of do. Um, me, me, myself as well, is to kind of challenge myself and go, oh, I can't really play that. And like, you know what, let's try it. You know, I, I'd love to lead a movie again. Um, I like that stamina that's required. I want to just elevate and elevate and keep maturing as an actor and, you know, to work with, with, with great people as well, bringing filmmakers and, but I'm up for a really meaty part where I have to transform physically. That's my next step. I'm a Christian Bale at my Daniel Day Lewis it. <laughs> you wanna say that? I believe it. But uh that's that's the kind of um part I'm going for next is to kind of physically change. All right, man. Well, hey, from what I can see from your upcoming uh, work with Bird, Bring Them Down, uh, you're working with my buddy Trey Edward Schultz, apparently. Yeah, Trey. Uh, dude, I think you're going to crush it. I think that this is only going to continue to go up for you, and I'm just super, super excited with this trajectory that your career has taken over the last couple of years, man. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. It means a lot, man. Thank you very much, my man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time once again, and I will hopefully see you soon. All right, brother, in a bit. You have a good day. You too. Take care.
Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Emma Sassick's interview with the writer and director for Saltburn, Emerald Fennell, and my interview with the film star, Barry Keoghan, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Saltburn is now currently playing in theaters from MGM Amazon Studios and is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor, and all other eligible categories. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. But you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it, because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.